Welcome to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests are Marina Fernandez, Head of Product, and Scott Donnelly, Senior Vice President of Product for Lending and Digital Assets. Enjoy the show. So uh, this is the third episode of our podcast on Unbundling Embedded Finance. And today we're going to talk about competitive positioning in financial services and banking. So I have two very special guests from Solaris with me again today. So Scott and Marina, would you please introduce yourselves and just say a little bit about what you do at Solaris? Sure. Yeah, I can, I can start. Uh, so I, I started at Solaris six months ago. I'm the senior vice president of lending and digital assets, which are two totally separate things. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm running two business units, essentially. Uh, prior to that, I, I ran a, an SME lender in the Nordics that was operating in, in five countries uh, called Capital Box. Uh, and then prior to that, I worked in uh, data science and, and credit scoring and marketing analytics and, and that sort of stuff. And originally from New York, uh, lived in California for a long time, and then been in Europe for about uh, 11 years. Thanks for that good uh, introduction, Scott. Uh, Marina? Yes, uh, Marina, nice to nice to be here as well. I'm head of product in Solaris. I've been in Solaris for uh, four years already, a bit more than four years, always working in product. Right now, our team is basically responsible for everything related to digital banking accounts and transactions, so payments, what goes in and what goes out of the accounts and the processes related to those. Uh, background is also still banking. I'm originally from Brazil. And I worked in Brazil in Itaú, which is actually the biggest private bank in, in Latin America, where I also worked in product, then uh, on also on accounts, and then came to Solaris for um, yeah three years afterwards. I always notice what I like about Solaris is there's so many nationalities, which I think is really awesome. Well, anyway, let's get down to the matter at hand. So just to kick everything off, how can you best position yourself in today's very competitive financial services market? Marina, can you uh, answer that? Give us yeah. your thoughts on that first. It's it's an it's not an easy question, especially with the uh, with the rise of technology, digitalization, movement away from the branches to the apps. It's natural that there are many players in the market right now that really want to really want a piece of the of the banking industry. So positioning ourselves, it's it's not easy. It's quite tough. But I think the key is to have a customer centricity, so to have an offering that's really focused on the customer, that is also connected to a powerful brand that connects both the bank and the customer together. So making sure that you provide, let's say, the, the set of features, the information, and the tools to give what your customer need. And by giving what your customer need, you really need to know your customer. So segmentation here is also quite, quite useful and quite powerful to basically give the information and the tools that your customer need to give them power to do what they want. So examples here is like giving the power for the customer. What are the, what are the cards and what are the accounts that they want to open? Do I want to open an account for specific, uh, for specific purpose? Do I want to connect my card to, to a specific account? So giving this the set of information and the set of tools for your customer to basically solve their problems is really key here. Thank you for that. Thank you for that thorough answer. Scott, do you have, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, this is what I like about the Solaris business model is, you know, so if you're a typical fintech that's marketing directly towards consumers or directly towards the uh, business, you know, small businesses or whatever, uh, it's definitely uh, a battleground. You know, if you're, if you're dealing with 
advertising on AdWords, comparison sites, all this other stuff. Uh, it's sort of a race to the bottom in terms of acquisition costs eventually. I mean, classic business school problem. Like eventually the competition becomes zero, creates zero profit because of the acquisition costs being so high. Uh, so, I mean, this Lars model is essentially we go to people typically who have already existing customer bases and enable them to offer financial services. So they have their customers already, but we help them bring a new uh, sort of value add and, and monetization stream to uh, those existing customers and you circumvent essentially this, um, you know, sort of mud fights in the street for like AdWords ads and, and you know, and all this stuff, which I've done. I worked for a direct lender in the past. I know, you know, lots of people who do. And um, yeah, that's one of the things that drew me, I think, to the the Solaris business model. I think it's how do you, how do you add this stuff into already existing ecosystems and, and uh, customer networks. Oh, thanks for that answer. So kind of uh, following up to that, where's the innovation happening in this space in terms of like propositions? I mean, I think in the SME lending space, I mean, we're seeing the buy now, pay later has been maybe like the macro trend of the, of, of the past few years. I think um, now we're looking at like revenue-based finance, which is leveraging the API access to a lot of existing platforms. So if you have a small business and you have income streams from, uh, you know, a POS provider, a you know, Spotify, uh, Shopify, um, you know, Amazon, Etsy, or wherever it is, right? We can connect to that sort of information, get a really accurate real-time picture of your revenues, how they fluctuate, how they're going in real time, and offer credit and adjust the credit based on that. I mean, I think that's that's definitely something that's getting a lot of investment currently and, and moving forward because it, and it's interesting because it's uh you know a, a really good way to use unconventional data to underwrite small businesses which are tough to underwrite in general um and it'll unlock a lot of money i think in that space uh, over the next coming years and then uh, yeah the net the other thing is the existing neobanks really starting to offer a much wider range of services. Uh, you know, like N26, Revolut, whoever else, and Vivid, our, our current, one of our clients currently, you know, it was basically current accounts, but now there's you know, lending, crypto, insurance, all this other stuff sort of coming in. These are really becoming one-stop shops for consumers, for financial services. And I think that's just gonna continue and give the incumbents quite a run for their money. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, essentially, Two, two things that I also see also connected to what Scott just mentioned. One is how to expand your products beyond banking, right? So not only offering, as Scott mentioned, the accounts on, on the app, but also how to expand this to, to the offering, connecting all the, the other payment possibilities, also expanding this even beyond payments, uh, adding experiences on traveling, adding experiences on on I don't know on on savings and basically expanding the the offering there. That's one thing. And the other trend that I also see happening quite a lot in this market today is verticalization. Is how to specialize in the really specific segment so that it could actually offer the best tailor made product for that segment and for that niche. This is also a trend that that putting it's basically putting the customer front, like knowing exactly what that customer essentially needs. And offering this for for them. Let's assume that a business is basically fo focused on on e a banking business is basically focused on on e-commerces and only really offering the best banking services for for e-commerces or offering the best uh, product for people that are actually traveling quite a lot. And and 
and this is also quite quite innovative those days. Well, thank you for that answer, uh, Marina. Are there any verticals that Solaris specializes in, or does it serve clients across different verticals like e-commerce, neobanks? Because Scott mentioned neobanks as well. I think that's the beauty of Solaris. Solaris is a platform that is actually quite flexible and that will basically empower our partners, basically our clients to focus on the niche they want to. So our platform is basically quite neutral to that, to that segmentation. And we allow every partner to essentially choose what is the niche and what's the segmentation that they want to focus on. And I and and that's one of the let's say one of the the reasons why I also chose Solaris is that the how neutral and how powerful that we can be and how we can empower our partners to basically be the the owner not the owner but basically be the the specialized um, partners on on the clients and empowering their clients as well. I know that's nice. So the if I have that right, so the the clients can basically own that sort of front end customer experience. You exactly. provide like the the rails. Exactly. Very we flexible. provide the platform, the, the banking license, and all the tools that will empower basically our partners to provide the best experience for their customers and the tailor-made experience for their customers as well. Oh, great. That's fantastic. So uh, in this kind of very competitive financial services market, how can you develop a differentiated value proposition and business model? Scott, can you take this one first? Yeah, I think... Um... Like Marina said, I mean, we're really just trying to empower the the partners to be able to offer things. And I think, you know, having an existing customer base in many cases, uh, and then augmenting your services uh, with financial services, um, is becoming already more and more present. But I think, you know, that's probably you won't necessarily have to go to the bank anymore to get financial services, and that's going to make it harder for the banks uh, to to have a monopoly on this anymore. So I think, uh, like putting this at a very sort of easy and, and simple to use touch points in lots of areas of life in a responsible way, of course, is the direction it's gonna go. So I think it becomes, in some ways, it becomes more fragmented uh, and less sort of monolithic incumbents uh, running it. So it becomes a lot of small touch points and, and competitors. And I mean, I guess we're, we're really well positioned for that because we empower those small touch points and, and compete with the monolithic uh, incumbents, so. I, I completely agree. I think that this verticalization is is also is also key. One thing that I also believe that empowers the product to stand out. We tend to think about external factors, right? How how what the customer wants. How can I focus on end to end experience, the branding and so on. But one of the important most important factors to me is how is the company actually structured internally to allow that focus to happen, right? The banking industry is like super vast. It's like banking is everywhere. People want to, there's like opportunities everywhere. And it's really easy for banking companies to actually get, they actually want to actually be able to take an opportunity on every single piece that they see. And I feel that that focus and having clear decision-making processes and clear strategy within the company that will allow them to basically focus on that specific uh, niches that they want to is also key here. So also thinking about internally and not only the external world is also quite useful. Oh, thanks for that. So uh, following up on that, can you talk a little bit more on how to best like tailor a product to fit customers' needs? Marina. So first things, define what's your customer, right? What is the segment that I'm actually, I, I've told her, I think I'm quite repetitive on this already. I'm 
last time that I tell about it from myself, this, this podcast. Um, first is define the, the customer segmentation that you need, right? So what is the customer? What are the needs that they have? Second thing is focus on the end-to-end -end experience. And this is really key. Sometimes we build like nice features that are on the app and they, I don't know, they are fancy features on the app, but we forget about the experience of the pain. When we're talking about banking, it can be quite painful for some customers. I just told my card got stolen. My account got blocked. I lost my password. Uh, focusing on the experience on the also to make sure that whenever the customers are on pain, they are, it's exactly the moment that they need you the most. So if you also offer a really nice experience there, that's where you're actually going to gain your customers. So that's also key. So focusing on basically making sure that you not only focus on the happy path, but also on the, on the non-happy path, focusing on the end-to-end -end experience of the customer. And the third point is like expanding this offering beyond banking, as I already mentioned, right? Like what are the opportunities that I have that I'm offering this product? What are the partnerships that me as a bank can do to actually um, get the customers even more aligned with my purpose, aligned with my brand and connected to, to my proposal, to my proposition? Nice. Thank you. Thank you for that great answer, uh, Scott. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a very, very good answer. So the three-step program. So uh, this is this is all, of course, very interesting, but a problem a lot of brands and companies have these days is actually monetizing proposition. So can you talk about how would you go about monetizing your proposition effectively? Uh, Scott, let's, let's have you take that one first. Yeah, I mean, it's different in every sort of segment, but you know, some examples, right? I mean, we have uh, a used car platform, digital platform that, you know, they make money on commissions, but then now they offer financial services uh, through us, right? So this is, and, you know, we keep it as simple as possible. We kind of abstract away all of the complicated pieces for them so they can just make the revenue and then we're doing the banking stuff uh, in the background. And yeah, I mean, I think yeah, even the, you know, sort of more straight fintech offerings, again, like the, the neobanks, you know, offering overdraft, uh, offering lines of credit and this sort of thing. In the old sort of banking world, that was the point. <laughs> was it just to create current accounts, right? Uh, so I think getting, you know, more into the, being able to offer these traditional sort of monetizing pieces in the neobank space is what's going to make it profitable in the long run. Yeah, and then also, you know, the, the, the typical sort of embedded finance piece is, you know, increasing conversions as well. It's not only the monetization of the, the financial product, but also increasing sales and conversions by giving the ability for people to finance things over over time. And of course, this is like, you know, something that has to be done responsibly. I think, you know, it's gotten a little crazy over the past few years, uh, maybe a little overzealousness on the part of some providers. But I think, you know, we're targeting in many cases spaces where uh, they're not necessarily entering bigger you know, bigger corporate with like medium-sized companies and, and that have customers and they need to do trade finance in the middle and things like this, which is not exactly buy now, pay later, but similar idea, right? Advancing money against um, things, inventory and things they receive now. So I think, yeah, uh, there's lots of ways to do it. Depends on the space, but I think, you know, in general, being able to offer financial services for almost any business um, is going to improve the monetization. Thank you for those answers. So can you two give us some examples of innovative business models in the industry? I could start with one. So maybe that's also a bit biased as I'm Brazilian. One of the one of the key ones that I see is, is really highly is, is New Bank and how they how they re revolutionize the banking industry, especially in Latin America. 
they started targeting young people uh, with the great, great product with, uh, with only credit cards. And then they moved to the digital banking offering and also offering more products and basically beyond. Uh, what is what they did also aligned with the end-to-end -end experience that actually brought to my, my attention the most is how they focus on customer experience in terms of not only providing a nice app, an easy app that you could do it, but also they revolutionized the way how banking in Brazil actually treated the customers afterwards in terms of communication, in terms of how to solve issues in terms of really putting the customer in the in the center of their of their decisions in the center of their processes. So I think that that's a business model that keeps uh, bringing uh, innovation to the banking industry in Latin America. New bank, very good example. Uh, Scott, do you have any more uh, thoughts? Yeah, I think other side of the spectrum, like big corporates sort of taking control of the financial services uh, rather than just offering loans from some bank, uh, they're able to offer. Yeah, again, advances to their uh, suppliers, um, sort of buy now, pay later options to their customers, but you know themselves, not just going through Bank X and and offering a, a link to an application at the bank, like controlling end to end all of the financial services. That that's actually the direction that I definitely uh, think things will move. And it's again, you know, when each one has their own, and we empower that sort of thing, right? I mean, a really big corporate can manage to set this kind of thing up. I mean, look, the auto industry, right? I mean, they're, uh, the, you know, a lot of their profits come from their financial services arms, which are parts of the company, but many of them maybe don't want to bother with that. Uh, and then they can, you know, be enabled to offer this stuff white label on their own through a platform like us. Uh, that's definitely something I see developing more and more. And there's so many touch points, right? There's the customer, there's the suppliers, there's, you know, um, the ability to offer even you know bank accounts and things like this if the brand is big enough. So yeah, definitely I think bigger corporates just taking total control of the financial services side uh, themselves is, is something we'll see in the next five years. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for those uh, answers. So today we've covered a, a lot of ground, haven't we? <laughs> just to give a little summary, we We've talked about uh, how they're in the financial services and making industry. There's the number of players is growing uh, and uh, how innovation is basically are being organized around customer centricity in many different ways. So thank you, Scott and uh, Marina, for being on the podcast. And do you have any last remarks, anything you didn't you, you wished you said but didn't? Any examples that maybe came to your mind but uh, you didn't speak about? <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, I think we covered some good, some good topics. Also, not from my side. Thanks. Cool. Thanks. You've just been listening to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests were Marina Fernandez, head of product, and Scott Donnelly, senior vice president of product for lending and digital assets. And on the next episode, we'll cover banking tech from front to back. Thanks for listening. And until next time.